Welcome to this week's The Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacking here alongside my good friend and co-host Travis Grins. Travis, it's heating up. The The weather's getting really nice out here. Uh, it's perfect hockey weather. Perfect hockey weather, cloudy and 70. It's one of those days where it looks like it's going to rain, but there's no rain in the forecast. Like, this is one of those days where, like, if you're back in the pioneer days, you know, early 1900s, late 1800s, and you're outside, you, you got no sense of the weather. You don't know what the weather's going to do. Mm-hmm. And I look out the window right now, and we swear to God, it's going to rain. We need, it, we it need might, rain. but it, it's not supposed to today. But who knows? We need rain. We need rain desperately. You know where they had a lot of rain? was in uh, the Dallas area on Sunday. Yep, uh, impacting the FCS National Championship game between our South Dakota State Jackrabbits and Sam Houston, uh, or Sam Houston State. They didn't want to be called the State. They just wanted to be called well, Sam Well, here's, 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 let's start off with that first. So I saw that last week. I saw a lot of Sam Houston. I'm like, oh, they're Sam Houston State. Why is everybody calling them Sam Houston? And then they're rebranding, and they don't want to be called Sam Houston State, even though they're... Abbreviation is H SHSU, Sam Houston State University. So if you want to not be called Sam Houston State, then you shouldn't go by SHSU. Yep. You should be SHU. You should be shoe. And don't and don't for don't mistake that shoe for the other shoe in the Northeast, Sacred Heart. And the thing about it is, they're going through this name change or dropping part of their name, and nobody has a problem with that nobody has an issue with calling them the right name no no but but they still get us confused with the school 2500 miles away in the southeast or the on the west coast the california coast by mexico and our rivals to the south but they can get sam houston and sam houston state uh correct oh don't don't worry there was also a north dakota state drop in there as well yeah, because you know it's it's either one of those five things. So it's just so it's just so unprofessional and embarrassing. Who did that? I Dave Pash. Dave Pash dropped the um, dropped the North Dakota State one. Um, I think he I said, literally tweeted. He I don't know, I tweeted at him earlier in the week. He doesn't have a ton of followers, so maybe he saw it. He tweeted early in the week that he was getting ready for the game, and I said, "Do not call us San Diego State." Do not call us South Dakota. It is South Dakota State. Yeah. Good luck with your broadcast. Do not mess up the name. Yeah. And, they and I, and at that point, he just sent the tweet. That was the first reply to that tweet. And I didn't hear much of the commentary, but it, I, it was, was, it, it was good for the most part, but there's still mess up. I mean, again, Krenz, we've, we've gone over this time and time again. And I think Scott Van Pelt has gotten a little irritated with, um, you know, with Jackrabbit fans hounding him, you know, if he was, uh, you know, saying, oh, you know, it's South Dakota, or like calling it San Diego State and stuff. And you know what? Yeah, he's had some good fun with it and stuff. But, you know, whenever he does a, a Jackrabbit highlight, he makes sure to say, oh, you got to call him South Dakota State or those uh, folks in Brookings get mad. Well, no shit, because they're it the. Doesn't, it doesn't happen to anybody else. Exactly. It doesn't happen to any other school or any other team. You don't call. You wouldn't call Stanford Cal. Oh, Cal with the. Oh, wait, no, I meant Stanford. Yeah, like you don't do that. You don't call Florida Florida State. You don't do that. I mean, it's just. Uh, it's it's frustrating. It doesn't have any other. It's, it's not a random team. It's the team that you know. It's on the 
football national championship yesterday, a women's basketball team that always makes the, the tournament. A men's basketball team that's been pretty, pretty good. And we had some prominent guys and like Dom and Dave Walters, people yep. at National that know who they are. Yep. This isn't a, you know, they got Adam Limitary, they got people out there that know who they are. And it's just, the college game day was there last year. It's all of these things that have happened, and we keep saying, well, all of these things kind of help, and it's kind of help. So they figure out that these are going to be contests where they seem to be wrong, but then ultimately, it always happens. Yep, it does. It's very frustrating and stuff, and almost as frustrating and discouraging as the way the Jackrabbits lost that game uh, yesterday. Uh, the game got delayed for over an hour, almost an hour and a half, due to lightning in the area. I mean, it was pouring at the start of kickoff here. I, I'm hoping to get Marcus on this week to to get his reaction to it and also to preview the NHL playoffs. But I, is it as simple? I get it for television purposes that you need to have it in a in a particular window. But would it have been so difficult to move the kickoff to three o'clock or two thirty? Yeah. I mean, just it it's ridiculous that they had to even play in those conditions early on. Because what are the games at Saturday like three fifteen? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they played for like an hour. And then there was the lightning delay, and then you know, they, they got going. They got about an hour into the game, and then it was an hour away when they finished up. The game didn't get done all that late. It was what, like 5.15? Yeah, at the, at the latest. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was 6 o'clock, so this game took. This game took about the, a little over four hours, which is about what a college football game takes. Yeah, so that's a normal yeah. game on CBS on a Saturday afternoon between with Alabama an and with no halftime, that helped. It was more of you know, sure. an hour away, exactly. But, I mean, the conditions were what they were. Both teams struggled with them early yeah. on, and even after it quit raining, uh, you know, guys were slipping all around. So both teams fumbled, both teams had had to deal with it, yep. and they had some mistakes. But Yep, and SDSU failed to capitalize on a big one early in the first quarter when Sam Houston State, uh, SDSU's up 7 nothing at this point. Sam Houston State's punter couldn't handle the snap. Jackrabbits had the ball inside, like the 25 or whatever. Uh, and this was when Keaton Heidi came in because Mark Gronowski got hurt on the very first drive. And at that point, when Gronowski gets hurt, and like the way he was limping, it's like, oh, crap. Uh, here we go again. You know, Heidi comes in. Pierre Strong runs in for a touchdown after, um, you know, after a, a, a bad a, something that Sam Houston State did. The Jackrabbits got the ball in good, good, uh, good territory. Oh, it's a fumble! It was the fumble. And uh, yep, yep, that um, that Schmidt, uh, the the Sam Houston quarterback, um, lost. But anyway, so they're up seven and nothing, and it's like okay, and oh, Gronowski's done for the day. It's like, okay, I'm just, I was waiting for the dam to break. Like, at some point, because you got this uh, great wide receiver for Sam Houston State, who they're comparing to Tyree Kill. He's not quite as fast, but he's very elusive uh, and and whatnot. And you're just kind of waiting and waiting. And then when that, when that, uh, that punt, uh, that, that muffed punt snap happened, I thought, okay, SDSU, this is your chance. You can get up 14-0, 10-0 even. And really get going, and then obviously three three plays. They got three yards or whatnot, and then a, a bad snap or a bad hold. They couldn't get a field goal at all. And it's just like, ugh, 
and eventually Sam Houston State got a 17-7 lead. And then it was the Isaiah Davis show. I mean, this this freshman from Joplin, Missouri, is so fun to watch. And that 85-yard touchdown run that he had to give the Jackrabbits the lead with five minutes and 41 seconds to go in the, in the uh, fourth quarter. There are very few runs that you will see in college football that are as good as that run was, given the missed tackles, the stiff arm, the the juking. That was a fantastic touchdown run by uh, an exciting player, hopefully for years to come, for the Jackrabbits and Isaiah Davis. Yeah, that was that was going to be the one. That would have been the, the one to live in history of all time is the, the game-winning run to win the title. Yep. But came up just a little bit short yep. and... Yeah, Pierre Strong is very good, but I feel like you got to get the ball to Davis a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The way he was running, he scored all yep. three touchdowns. Sam Houston would have given up one 100-yard rush all year. He almost had 200 yards. No, not even. They had 21 straight games without a 100-yard rusher before Isaiah Davis. Well, there you go. He almost got 200, and he got like 130 yards on his last three carries. Mm-hmm. So, should have given him the ball more. P90 is not good. Um, he, he, I didn't think he played very well at all. I don't know why they passed it so much. They were only down 10 at the most. Yep. And it's like, all right, you got this offensive line everybody talks about. Yeah. You got these two running backs. Nobody else has two running backs like this. I agree. And he threw the, what, threw the ball 22 times yep. in a game. It was 11 or 22 for about 100 yards, interception, and... Few, I mean, a few passes that he missed on, a few that were dropped, mm-hmm. but it was not not a good performance by him. Well, and, I mean, I mean, you feel like if, if Gronowski doesn't get hurt, you feel like they win the game by two touchdowns. Yes, yes. And just looking forward, I, you know, Gronowski will be out for out for next year, and uh, Jabory Gibbs ain't going to be around, so they need a tra- they need a transfer quarterback. Yes, because yep, they can, they can still be good. They can win eight nine games. They can make the playoffs, but. Uh, the goal here is to win the whole thing. Like the Vikings, we've seen it all except winning the thing now. Yep. Uh, then Gonzaga, the Vikings, like you have to win it. It's a disappointment if you don't win it now. They're, mm-hmm. they're at that point uh, in, in their progression of a program. And Keaton Heidi, you're just not going to win a, a national title with him. So they need a, a transfer, a yep. senior of some sorts to come in there and lead the reins next year because you know, Gronowski will be good for years to come. Yep. He comes back from his injury, and unfortunately for Jabory Gibbs, he's he's hurt and his knee shot as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I think they would have been a good good uh, a good shot next year with Jabory Gibbs, but he'll probably never play again with at least with SDSC. So that's and, that's what they've got going forward. And that was the frustrating part in all of this is that when Gronowski gets hurt, it's like okay, like I said, when is the dam going to break? And Sam Houston's up seventeen seven. Like okay. Come on, SDSU, do you have any answer here? Can you make things interesting? And to have that lead, uh, thanks in almost entirely to Isaiah Davis, with a backup quarterback, it's like, oh my gosh, is this going to happen? And then the very, the kickoff goes out about, like, it's just, it wasn't even close. It went out at, like, the 20 or at the 15. It was it was so terribly mishitting, like, oh my gosh, this is how it's going to go. And that they, they got Sam Houston into a fourth down. They converted that. A couple of third downs. Got that. And then third, it's third down and, t- and goal from the 10. 16 seconds left. It's like you just need two plays. you got to find this Ezra guy. Like, don't let him get open. And don't let this other guy 
uh, get open too, and they play a zone, and I, I don't get it. I, I Maybe you play zone because of Schmidt's running ability and he only needs 10 yards to score a touchdown. I don't know, but that's a that's not um, not a good time to play zone, especially when you were playing man-to-man as well as they were. I, I, I'm just not a fan of that play call right there, but it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, we were so close. So close. I mean, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was on the verge of tears. Like, if they won, like, finally, like, finally a team that I cheer for like and live and die with. You know, not, like, I cheer for North Carolina basketball, but I'm, it's not the, the I'm not going to live and die with um, with them. Like, it, if they win the championship, I'm happy, but it's not, it's not the pull that SDSU has or the Vikings or the Wild or, you uh, Hell, even Virginia Tech, I, even it's just—it's like, oh man, to to be that close and to lose the the game that way, it just it it hurts. Like, and then you know the the Sam Houston State scores a touchdown. It's like, you know what? It you could kind of, you could see it coming, and like at no point I thought they were gonna win the game. Like some people were saying, oh, man, I thought they were gonna win. I'm like, how? You could just see it coming. You could see that last yeah. drive coming. Like when the quarterback gets hurt, you know, that's that stuff. You know? And yeah. it was amazing that they were able to have the lead in the yes. final seconds with out yeah. their star quarterback and how terrible their quarterback played. I mean, yeah. you can't get a hundred uh, you, you can't get a hundred yards I, on fifty percent passing from your quarterback and expect to win and they almost did. And but I'm so not gonna show how good of a team they were and <clears throat> Like something people haven't brought up is like the time management. Again, a pet peeve of mine. Time management at the end of the game. Yeah. You know, they did that little <clears throat> hook and lateral thing. They did that. It took five seconds. Yep. And they tried it again, and that was the game. I would have done The second time they tried it, you should have just gotten down. He would have picked up, what, eight yards or so. Yep, and with like a second to go, and you could do, have done a Hail Mary. I would have probably kicked a 50, whatever it would have been, 57 yard field goal. Oh, you would have been tough. That would have been, I feel like, a higher percentage than a Hail Mary, but still probably less than 5% you're making that field goal in those conditions. If conditions are perfect, maybe you got a shot. But at least you give yourself a chance with a field goal because the other, the other thing didn't work. So that's one time management thing. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, use your timeouts. Having two timeouts with 10 seconds to go ain't going to do you a goddamn thing. I. I'm going to disagree with that because I don't think you want to give unless your defense is tired and just flat out exhausted. You need to save time so when you get the ball, you have more than ten seconds to go. But I don't think you know what the defense just needs to come up with a stop. Then it doesn't matter if you use the timeouts or not. Don't let Sam Houston, you know, you know, put something. They didn't have any timeouts remaining. They had, so let's have got you about two minutes. Sam Houston had one timeout there late. Yep. And once it got to about two minutes or a minute 30, when you know that Sam Houston's close enough to scoring, so time is not an issue. You're not helping them by calling a timeout. Uh, they're at the 20-25. Time is not an issue here. It's about getting a stop. Mm-hmm. And just in case they score, uh, if, if they don't score – you're going to get the ball back, and the game's done. You're going to take a couple of knees, and the game's done. So you don't have to worry about giving the ball back. Yeah. And you need some time left. 
is having those timeouts in your pocket no good. You use two right. timeouts there, you save a minute. Yeah. You get the ball back with a minute to go, no timeouts. Whatever they got of that, they got the ball with at the forty or so, thirty five or forty. Yeah. You feel like we we feel like you got five, six plays, you feel like you can probably get a field goal. Yeah. So again, nobody's mentioning it, nobody cares. No, I use use your timeouts. I think because the way the way the game went, we got two timeouts with ten seconds to go. I'd rather have no timeouts and a minute to go. I agree with that, but I think we're you can you can talk about that because of the result of the game. I don't want to give Sam Houston State any more time than they absolutely need to come up with a great plate call there. That I, and they had, I mean, and they had what it was third and goal with twenty seconds to go, twenty five yes. seconds, whatever yep. it was. Yeah. So again, time was not an issue. Like you had two plays, you knew, they had to go in the end zone. It yep. was. I just like you know. I don't want you, to give you, them any more time unless the defense absolutely needs it. If the defense is gassed, you got to give them a little bit of a breather. That's fine. And whether, again, whether they have 20 seconds or a minute, to me it's all the same. Like, there's no difference there. The yeah. only difference is if they score, you're not going to win because there's 16 seconds to go. The other way is if they score, you got a chance. So, yeah. again, time management, use your timeouts. Once it got to about a minute and a half, two minutes – Use your time. I think somebody used a timeout there, Dan. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was SDSU because they only had two to go. But because I think SDSU did use a timeout there at the end. Yeah. And at that point, they'd already let like 20, 30 seconds roll off the clock. So, I mean, they could have had the ball with legitimately a minute and a half to go. Yeah. And the way the game ended up, that would have been the way to go. Yeah. But that's, I, that's not how it goes. I'm not going to place a whole lot of blame on that. At the end of the day, they just needed to come up with a stop or not you know, play that zone defense. They, they had multiple opportunities on that drive to get off the field. Because I feel like if they get the ball with a minute to go, they win. Potentially. If they get the ball with a minute and a half to go, they win this game. They, they could. They could have. Um, I, but then again, maybe they don't. I, I don't know. It, it, at the end of the day, you just needed to come up with that one stop. They couldn't. Sam Houston wins the, the championship. And I, I don't know how the how the transfer protocol is going to go or the portal is going to go for this team. But... I feel like the with the way that this game turned out, with SDSU losing there at the at the last possible moment, I feel like that's going to make this team hungrier next year and like more motivated to get back there, like to keep the band together. But it all hinges on what is being done at the quarterback position. Gronowski is serious knee injury. We don't, we don't know how long he's going to be out, but it's very unlikely that he'll play at all this season, which really sucks because, I mean, that's coming off of Jabori Gibbs, who we thought was, you know, the, a great quarterback coming off of the heels of Taron Christian. And Jabori got hurt against NDSU. So it's all about the quarterback position for SDSU. But this team, I think, you know, to lose the way they did, they are going to be – I – to me, I feel like they're going to be hungrier than ever to try and get back and get that bad taste out of their mouth. Yeah, I don't. We'll see what happens with the quarterback. I don't think it's going to be next year. And you know, who knows if they ever go back to the national title? That's why you had to win. You had to win this one. Yeah, I, Sam Houston State was there what nine years ago when they finally won. So I mean, you know, SDSU's been good enough. They'll probably get to another one, but you never want to say for certain. Right. Yep, you know. And I mean, when you got North Dakota State in your conference, and you know you have to play them every year, and you know if you want, 
a top two seed, you have to at least beat them. Yep. Yep. And the thing about it is, SDSU has beaten North Dakota State plenty of times, but when they do, they lose to somebody else. Yep. They you know, lose to a Cal yep. Poly, they lose to a Southern Illinois during the season, which negates the North Dakota State win. And for the first time ever, we saw what SDSU could do when they got three home games in a row, and then they won all of them. Yep. And they had a pretty easy road. I think that the, uh, the title game. So, so I think that the- yeah, next year. It's kind of a lost year if they don't got the quarterback. Who knows? We'll see who the quarterback is. Mm-hmm. But I and an unfortunate break for a team that was pretty healthy all year, and then mm-hmm. uh, we feel like if if Grinowski plays and he's just average, this team wins this game by a couple of touchdowns. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like SDSU fans should feel as though they got robbed of that chance to win the national championship. But I do believe that the way this program has been built, that it is able, it's going to be able to sustain some success. We'll see what happens oh, yeah. on the transfer uh, pro, you know, portal and whatnot with players leaving. We'll see what happens on um, you know, specifically regarding the quarterback position. But with the way that this team is being is, is recruiting, I think you're going to see SDSU poised for a lot of success here. Over future, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful they can get back to Frisco because just for you know for them to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory is it's just tough to handle. It really is. Apparently, they changed holders a week ago or this week. Which I don't know if that made a difference. I don't. Not in those weather conditions. I don't think. Yeah, who knows how slippery the ball was? They had the one field goal that they didn't get off and. I think Keaton Heidi's the usual holder, but they had their punter do it maybe a week ago and this week as well. Mm-hmm. Who knows if that makes a difference in a two-point ball game? So, yeah, disappointing. It looks like a lot of folks travel around there. People were excited about it. Yep. So, and that's good. That's good because we've often said, like, oh, no one, you know, is really caring to go to these games. No, that the Jackrabbit Nation really came out and showed a lot of support here, and I think that will carry over. I'm hopeful that that will carry over into the fall, but we need to actually see that, I guess, first before. You know. I think we know 4,000 people is kind of their core audience. They had 3,500 tickets they sold out. I'm sure there were a few more than that down there. I think there were, yeah, I think there would have been far more tickets bought by the SDSU faithful if they if uh, Frisco had been able to have a full stadium. I guarantee they would. But, but look at the attendance they had. It was, you know, Two, three, four thousand people. Even even they didn't even get to the quarter capacity, fifty percent capacity that they limited themselves on during the year. So I feel like four thousand fans are kind of your hardcores that are going to go anywhere. I think that uh, with this team. So I think that this this run has made more people excited, and I think you're going to see that reflected. I'm hopeful that it's reflected in how the fall season goes, which is only a few months away. Uh, so everyone needs to just take a little bit of time to rest, heal up, get healthy, get your mind right, and get ready for the a regular haul of the season in which, you know, SDSU does get North Dakota State at home. They go to Colorado State, a game that I think would have been easily winnable if Gronowski plays with, with a different quarterback now. That's totally up in the air, but... I think if everyone comes back, that defensive line is is stout. That uh, that uh, uh, number twenty two, fantastic uh, 
I, Reese Winkleman, very good. Gardner, Gardner and the Gardner, back. cornerback, he was good. Yep, yep, the Gardner, the cornerback, very good. So, uh, congrats on a good season for SDSU, and um, it just sucks the way it ended, but um, not. Uh, we'll we'll see. I, I want. I think they can get back to Frisco here. I think they are. They they showed that this is a something a blueprint that they that can, that can sustain success that they can continue to build on here and we'll see what happens but again it's entirely up to, uh, regarding the the quarterback position that's the main question headed into this into this fall season uh let's I mean, my, my, my heart was pounding there that final play it's like 30 goal you just stop here i mean it was i didn't care much about it you know they lost and before they win but you know it was it was exciting to see mm-hmm. oh man they came it came that close, and then the way it ended, you're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a Viking or a Jackrabbit finish." It's like that's that's a Minnesota they're gonna sports lose, finish. Yeah, they're going to get their dick stomped in versus James Madison by 40 points, or they're going to lose lose with you know a couple seconds to go. So uh, it, it, I, don't, I don't know if I call it a well played game because of the conditions, but it was certainly a memorable game. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Davis, uh, with, like with, that, yeah, Isaiah Davis, he was the man with yeah. a lot of unique new, unique things. Uh, Gizzard, as I called the receiver, mm-hmm. uh, Gizzard, uh, he was good. Yes. So I, mean, I, was, I was surprised that really none of these players were wearing gloves. Yeah. You would think that would help in the rain. I don't know. I, I think some like, of that, like uh, the, the Giz- sl- Gizzard was wasn't wearing them, and at the very end, he was. Yeah. I think. Like, you, does it? I think gloves you, not work in the rain. I, I guess. I think so. I think it's a. I think the the material makes it a little slip. A little more slippery to to catch versus um you know just barehanded i feel like you can you know keep your hands dry somewhat if you got a pouch or something uh in the rain it was i mean raining it was raining buckets out there it was, but that was interesting. nobody was wearing gloves out there for either side um where, where and when or where and how did you watch this game i was i watched it at home I was just by myself for for most of it. Kelsey, you, have, you have cable. Uh, I had dish. Yeah. I had dish. So and I wasn't part of. Yeah. I'm not in South Dakota, so I'm not part of Dakota News now. And uh, I didn't get the Avera Medical Minute right as the as Sam Houston scores that touchdown. I mean, that's, how terrible is that? I mean, you can't. There is zero excuse for that. Zero. For some, we went over to Hartford to watch it at a friend's house, and. He's got Hulu. We've got YouTube TV. Okay. Yep. And you would think at Hulu he would have gotten the KSFY feed and you know missed the final touchdown. But for whatever reason, we were on the Rapid City feed uh, for the ABC affiliate out there. For some reason. Interesting. And and we noticed this because KSFY did a did a pregame show and we turned it over there and it was an infomercial. So like, I thought they were doing like a half-hour pregame and postgame show. Yeah. Well, we didn't get that because we weren't watching KSFY. We were watching uh, KOTA out in Rapid City. Yep. So for whatever his settings showed or the Hulu thought that she was in Rapid City or something. So I'm watching the game, and I I don't, you know, I, I don't have a, I do have a phone, but I didn't check Twitter all that often on my flip phone. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got home that I saw, oh, yeah, this nobody saw the last touchdown. Like, yeah. it was literally when the ball was snapped, 
they went to like a commercial or that Avera medical men yeah. thing, and then 10 or 15 seconds later, pops up on the screen, touchdown Sam Houston. So they literally missed the entire play. Yep. And I guess it happened one other time in the game somewhere else later. I don't know when, but yeah, I don't know how you're, you're in the back, you're in the control room, who pushed the button or what what happened to where that... It's- it's absolutely where that would happen. How does that happen? I it's, mean, we've been in TV control rooms, and you'd have to push a button somewhere to cut away from what you're showing. I don't know how that happens. It's absolutely inexcusable, Travis. There's no good explanation for it. it, it there's just Bad. there's not, and I didn't I didn't realize it either until I was seen on Twitter like, oh, the Avera Medical Men. I'm like, okay, what the hell's going on here? Sean Cable's like, what oh, is this about? Sean Cable saying, oh, you know, Dakota News now should never uh, or Dakota News Network, whatever, should never broadcast yeah. another game, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the hell's going on with this Avera Medical Minute? And then I, you know, come to find out that people missed the, like, it turned on, right, as Sam Houston State scores that touchdown. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if that, if the game isn't delayed, I don't think this is a problem. But, you know, what... Like, I know what, because Avera Medical Minute is a thing on their newscasts. I, I think it's two, three times a week. They can apologize all they want, and they shouldn't be forgiven. This is not in like, this. This is not a. Um, I, 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 the Heidi game between for, Oakland and the Jets, or whatever it was. The Heidi game. Yeah. They, one day in 1968, when they cut away to show Heidi, and people missed the you know, Raiders and the Jets game. Yep. They missed overtime or whatever it was. So that was very odd. I mean, obviously they had a pregame show and a postgame show, and they did apologize numerous times afterwards and they're lucky enough to be the station i got to carry the game and yeah I think it was I, it was like yeah it's, it's inexcusable and i don't know it, it happened twice and if it happens well that's not good but it happened at the the, the worst possible point of the yeah. game when that could have happened yep that's it, when it happened if you say what's the worst time this thing could have happened it could have been well when sam houston state scores the game when he touched out yep that's when you would want to see that. And you you need didn't, to so have better control either within the control room or something. Someone needs to do an investigation in terms of what happened here. But I'm sorry. I, or a I'm, USD fan. Might have been a USD fan. Who knows? Yeah, it, it could have. It could have been. I, honestly, though, I don't. That sort of thing is not very. I'm not willing to forgive that easily yeah. on something like that because it's not something that should ever happen. You know, you can have. Uh, like various mistakes here and there, you know, like maybe uh, a local commercial goes long and it cuts into the game, you know, yeah. telecast. That's that's a little understandable because you know sometimes they have little bumps and stuff that run a little longer. You don't cut though to this a very medical minute at that. <laughs> it just you just don't. So I think you know investigate, figure out what happened. But no, you're after you're gonna have to regain a lot of trust in a lot of people. I mean that's just it's just inexcusable. There, I, I'm not willing to forgive. On that, and I'm just glad that it didn't happen to me because I get um, KSTP, the Twin Cities uh, affiliate, the ABC um, local affiliate. So I'm glad the that. The only thing worse would have been if SDSC scored the touchdown to oh, win the game. Yes. Yeah, yes. That would have been the only thing worse. So I only missed it. So. Yeah. Yep. Not good. Not good there. Um, so that's that. Uh, let's go to the NBA now. A Hall of Fame weekend. Woohoo! Uh, Vanessa Bryant, uh, you know, got inducted. You know, Kobe Bryant, you know, God rest his soul, has, has a big wing now in the NBA Hall of Fame. Vanessa Bryant, you know, like 
wearing the the Hall of Fame jacket and stuff. You had Kevin Garnett, Chris was it Chris Weber or everything. Yep. But Tim Duncan, really, Tim Duncan was on NBA TV. I didn't see any of it. So I'd like to see Michael Jordan's speech on Kobe Bryant. I haven't looked for it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I have no idea what this it's, is. At. Uh, you know, like Michael Wilbon, Mike Breen, both got inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame for you know their announcing or contributing. Uh, you know, journalist, whatever. Uh, it was fine, whatever. I didn't see a minute of it, but. Uh, you know what? People liked it. People liked it, especially for Kobe's sake. Whatever. Uh, that's good. The big news, though, is now that the NBA regular season's done, we get to play in tournament. And what you wished for last week, you wished upon a star, and it happened. Uh, I really wish you would have wished, you know, like for SDSU to win a national championship. But instead, you wished for Warriors-Lakers in the NBA play-in tournament. And that's what we get. They are the 7-8 and eight seeds, and uh, Memphis and San Antonio are the 9-10 so, uh, we were talking right before we got on air and started this podcast about this playing tournament, because I was confused. I thought it was best two out of three, but it doesn't sound like that. So, uh, give me your, uh, give us the, the, the layout of this tournament and then your overall thoughts of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Lakers have had their injury, so they're the seventh seed, and the final night of the regular season was exciting because you had you know some playoff positionings where the Lakers going to be in this thing. We talked about it last week. Uh, the Lakers had to win and they needed Portland to lose, but uh, Portland Portland won, so they get to six seed and they get to take on Dallas. So you get Golden State and Steph Curry, who's been you know, won the scoring title, been playing out of his mind the mm-hmm. uh, past few months. You got LeBron, who, if he's healthy, and Anthony Davis, see if he's healthy. And they're as good as anybody to, to get to the finals again. But, yeah, I mean, they, they got to be happy. ESPN, uh, yeah, NBA's got to be happy that they get Warriors, Lakers. It's not a winner-take-all game. The winner gets in as the seven. The loser has to play the winner of... Uh, it's Spurs, Grizzlies, so it's like the Spurs are six games under 500. You know, in a regular season, they're losing 45 games or so. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, they don't need to be in this thing. Like, the Warriors and the Lakers, as your last two teams in, would have been just fine. Like, there's no reason for Memphis, no reason for the Hornets as a 10 seed to even be given a chance to... Right to get in this thing. So on the east side, what do you got? The east, you got Indiana, you got Washington, you got Charlotte, you got somebody else in there. It's like, it's just another couple of games. Boston. That... You have Boston in as the seven seed. That's the interest. At least yeah. you get the like a big media market there, a big uh, storied franchise. Yeah, and uh, Jalen Brown's out. So mm-hmm. even if Boston gets in this thing, they're not, they're not going anywhere. They're going to lose to, to the Nets in the first round. So... They're not going anywhere. And again, honestly, the NBA could be a you know a six. You can make it a, a six-team playoff on each side. The first two teams get a bye for a week, mm-hmm. and you make the other four teams play a best of five and go from there. And this year, you got the Lakers as a seven seed, which they wouldn't have made it under my format. That would have been a big deal. Mm-hmm. But like a seven and an eight seed... Uh, would an eight seeds made it once or twice, but you could cut the NBA playoffs in about half. Yep, certainly could. Um, but you, got, I mean, you got the Lakers. If the Lakers get in this thing, they're going to be playing. Uh, you know, they're going to be playing Utah or Phoenix, and that's intriguing. We're going to find out right away mm-hmm. uh, how good Utah and Phoenix are. If they can take down the Lakers. Sure are. So 
We got uh, Clippers, Dallas. Uh, you got uh, Portland and Denver. They played last night. That should be a good series. I so. agree. I think Portland's going to win that way. Portland's playing right now. No Jamal Murray for Denver. I think Portland's going to take down your Nugget squad. Yeah, uh, Nikola Jokic. He's, he should win MVP for Denver. That's Steph Curry is getting a lot of a uh, uh, lot of momentum and talk for. For MVP. He'll be there, but Giannis out in the mix. Harden and Durant and Kyrie Irving don't ever play, so they're out in the mix. So I think it's got to be him. And on the east side, you kind of got those three teams in the east. That's interesting. Can Philadelphia finally do something? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take Brooklyn and the Lakers to, to meet in the final. That's your, your marquee matchup with the most stars, and that's what I think is going to happen. I think you so, get, you know, congrats to the Knicks for being a top four seed. Uh, no yeah. one saw this coming, but they're going to lose to the Hawks. Uh, Hawks are going to take them down because the Hawks are a better team than the Knicks. Um, just are. Sorry. I'm rooting for the Knicks and then all got top. I'm not. I never root for the Knicks. To hell with Spike Lee and and uh, and the Knicks Jesus. fan base. Nope, nope. I don't care. I'm tired of the Knicks. <laughs> I'm tired of the Knicks. I don't give a shit about them. You're Go, tired of the Knicks. You like the shitty teams, though, Stack. And this not. has been a shitty team for a long, long time. Yeah. This is the best they've been in. Been in eight years. Don't care. I'd much rather cheer for Charlotte with Lonzo Ball or with Lamelo Ball. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Then, then wow. I'd much rather see the Atlanta Hawks win than than the New York Knicks. Sorry, no, not sorry, not sorry. Uh, uh, screw you, New York. Uh, I would say this though. It, it mentioned like inexcusable things that uh, Dakota News Network or Dakota News, not whatever the hell they're called. Dakota um, News Now. Dakota News Now, thank you. Uh, showing yep. the Avera Medical Minute there as Sam Houston State scores that game-winning touchdown. You, what's almost as inexcusable is the Clippers losing their last two games to the Rockets and the Thunder. These teams are <laughs> terrible. It's uh, If you're trying to, I don't know. And I wasn't aware of this until like moments before we started this podcast. And I, like, I had a round the horn on, and they were talking about the Rockets and the, the Thunder, teams that were trying to lose on purpose, beating the Clippers. And was it the Clippers trying to avoid the Lakers? I don't know. I think the Clippers are better. You could probably beat the Lakers in their current state. Why wouldn't you want to take them on right now? Now you get to take on Dallas. Yeah, they should beat Luka Doncic and stuff, but... I don't know. That's a bad, bad look for a team to lose to Houston and Oklahoma City, two teams that are terrible. If that's not the definition of definition of tanking, I don't know what is. That's the the NBA has to look into that. Yeah, I'm gonna say if they did that on purpose and to avoid the Lakers, then good for them. Like they're smart. I mean, you got to be smart about this sometimes. They should beat Dallas, and with the Lakers, again, I think the Lakers are going to the finals. So, if you could avoid them for a round or two, that that would be preferable. Whether guys get hurt, and even easier pickings yet. But, it's, in the West, it's interesting, because LeBron's not healthy, doesn't appear, and they're, they're seven or an eight seed, they might not even get in. It's hard to imagine they're going to lose both of these games. Right. But, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's, it's interesting for once, you know, and you have these, this one-man dynasty of LeBron James making the final of the year for 10 years in a row. Mm-hmm. And it gets boring after a while. It's unbelievable and what he's done, but it gets boring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's coming out of the West, I don't know, Lakers won, and after that, the Clippers have kind of been disappointing the last couple of years. Sure have. I got Utah and Phoenix, and I just don't see Utah or Phoenix making it. So, 
And I don't know. I, I think a lot of people, are, and rightfully so, are skeptical of Phoenix just because this kind of came out of nowhere. Like, yes, is this Chris, <clears throat> is Chris Paul really good? Absolutely. DeAndre Ayton, yes, he's great. Uh, de, you know, Devin Booker. Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. I don't know if they can do it, though, for seven game in a seven-game series against a team like the Lakers. I think the Jazz are better equipped to beat the Lakers, but even the Jazz kind of struggled a little bit down the stretch. I get that Donovan Mitchell was injured for a, a good chunk of that, you know, decline that the team was in. But still, I this is not the the Western Conference that you would have expected. If, if someone had asked you at the beginning of the season what's going to happen, I think we would have been in, uh, in um, harmony here saying like, oh, this is going to be the Clippers and the Lakers. The L.A.s are going to be one and two, and then we'll see what happens down the line. I don't think anyone saw the the Clippers being a four seed or you know, like Denver, Phoenix, and Utah jumping. I mean, maybe Denver as a one seed, but certainly not Utah or Phoenix um, in the mix here. So the the West is going to be interesting. Like like I said, right now I like Portland to beat Denver, the Clippers to beat Dallas. I'll give Utah over whoever the heck they play. Um, Phoenix, if it's the Lakers, eh, I would maybe take the Lakers as a seven seed on the East. Philadelphia will pl- Philadelphia will beat whoever they play, whether that be Boston or Washington. I'm hoping Washington, because Washington's actually uh, fun to watch with uh, with Russell Westbrook. Uh, Brooklyn, would, the two seed, would play the other team. I, I hope Boston doesn't make it because that would just be funny. The Bucks and the Heat, that's a ripe for an upset, but I'll take Giannis and the Bucks, uh, even though the Heat are playing pretty well right now. And then I'm taking the Hawks over the Knicks. Yeah, it sounds about right. Favorites for the most part. Like, I don't know what's coming out of this thing. Like, those top three teams in the East, because Brooklyn's three have not played much together. We'll see if that matters. And when they have played together, it's you know been, been so-so. They haven't exactly uh, torn it up. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's, it's interesting since, you know, we don't, we don't know for sure what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's intriguing for once. Speaking of when it's always well, it's going to be LeBron versus somebody, and now we we don't know. Speaking of intriguing, four of the five NHL playoff games over the weekend went to overtime, and all five games were decided by a goal. Florida, Tampa Bay, you know, because nothing says hockey like a battle of Florida teams in the playoffs was the most entertaining game of the weekend. Just a lot of uh, like pushing, shoving. No love lost between these two teams. Uh, good power plays, good offense, a lot of good saves. Uh, the wild one against Vegas, I didn't get to see that because you know you, you have, they scored like moments after SDSU and Sam Houston ended. I'm like, well, crap, I missed this, but at least they won. Uh, your Penguins lose to the Islanders. Uh, in overtime, the Capitals beat the Bruins. So the NHL playoffs have started very good right now. Uh, last year on NBC, so I, I encourage you to watch the hockey because the hockey playoffs are hopefully going to be good. I don't know. I, I can't care. I know. I know you don't, but uh, Kirill... Like I, don't, I don't stay up. I usually go to bed at 10 o'clock. I would like, like the overtime games. They're like a 6 or 7 o'clock game that goes into double overtime. I'll switch on over to that, but yeah, you know, it's All these more, things. I guess, more regionalized than most years with their new divisions for this year, and yep. Well, yep. I don't know, go Pittsburgh and go wherever the hell else. So, I hope the Wild win just to yeah. 
to, for something different. Yes, yes, and and so Marcus and I can be somewhat happy that a team is doing something from the state of Minnesota. Well, so there you go. Uh, to the baseball we go. Uh, twins suck. They continue to suck. There's no hope in sight for this team. Um, I think we've all just given up on them. I've given up on them. Have you given up officially? I'll give them two weeks. I'll give them Memorial Day. I'll give them June 1st. By that point, we'll be 50 games in, 45 games in. Yeah, it's not getting any better. Uh, they finally won a close game against Noah at a three-run home run Saturday to, to win a game, which they, well, they were down like 4-1. to one. Mm-hmm. They came back to win. Um, so there was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not getting any better. So we got to start doing stuff uh, here pretty soon. Because they're like eight, nine games out. The National League so. East, very intriguing. All five teams within uh, three games of each other. I mean, even the, the Central's not that great. Uh, the Giants continue to, I think, be the surprise of baseball right now. They're 24-16 and 16 playing really good. The Dodgers really slumping. Uh, the A's continue to play good baseball. Boston's still on top ahead of uh, Toronto, but you have the Yankees and the Rays all within two games. Uh, so that's that's interesting there. What caught your eye overall from the week in, in baseball? Albert Pujols out the Dodgers. Yeah, why? I don't know why. <laughs> Does he like, doesn't he have to move them. You know, they should be good, but why they would want him... Of all the teams, like they're the most talent-rich team there is. Yeah. With the fewest spots available, I have no idea why they would want him. So that I scratch my head on that. He's never going to play. Mm-hmm. I, they don't have a DH. It makes no sense. So that's bad. Like if you're going to go to a team, go to the Cardinals. At least there's a reason behind that. Yep. But, um, you know, and Andy said, I guess today he's got plenty of gas left in the tank, and he may not even retire at the end of the season. And I talked about him last week about how he is the worst, probably one of the worst five players in baseball. He's slow. He can't hit. His defense is bad. He doesn't give you anything. He is a negative on your team. You are worse with him. Him just being on your team and playing makes you worse. Sounds so. like he's chasing a ring. Oh, he's got what two with the Cardinals? So I know he does. He's like, chasing he's that one last one. Though. So he's he's got him. So you don't need one more. So he's chasing one more, and that's why you joined the Dodgers. So yeah, if you're gonna go and go to a team, I guess go to the best team and maybe win a win a World Series. And you know, Giants, Giants pitching continues to go well, and it's been all off season talking about the Padres and the Dodgers, and here we are with the Giants. Yeah, they're right there, and maybe. Maybe it ends up that you know, maybe the Padres don't even make the playoffs. No. Or the don't or the Dodgers don't make it. Or, like if the Giants are winning this division, which we'll see what happens. Yep. But you know maybe they get three teams out of the uh, out of the West. So there's that. We've got. It's my players of the week. Yes. Kind of, sort of. Yes. I want. I'll, I'll name these guys. I want to give it to somebody who actually done something. But we'll just make note of this that. The Mariners brought up their top two prospects mm-hmm. Thursday. That was fun for them. They had a pitcher, Logan Gilbert. And he gave up like four runs and four innings. That was his first start. So he's their top pitching prospect. And 
They got an outfielder, Jared Kelnick, from the Mets a few years ago in the Robinson Cano trade. Mm-hmm. And he's your number three prospect in all of baseball, and he's at home run already. So some excitement for the Mariners. Uh, some of their prospects get called up. So guess about those guys, even though they haven't played more than a few games. So. So you're going to go with you're going to go with both of the the Mariners guys. Yeah, well, Logan Gilbert, right-handed pitcher from Stetson, and uh, Jared Kelnick, outfielder for the Mariners. Uh, you, I think, you have to love Stetson because of the hats, right? Yes, and uh, Jacob Degrom, I believe, went there. So there you go. Stetson, it writes itself. Call yourself Stetson. You better have a big hat somewhere. You better. You better. And just, just this, another stupid twins thing that doesn't really matter, but it's just stupid. But they, they, they got a lot of injuries, and with the loss of Jake Cave, Aggie broke his back. He's on the 60-day DL. And so they need another outfielder, and they call up a guy named Rob Refsnyder. He's been around a few years, mm-hmm. and he's not any good. And he's one of those guys where I don't know how he's on a team anywhere just you no know, 200 hitter just terrible all that doesn't bring anything to the team so we call him up and he got hit the other day and there's also another guy in the minors they signed this year his name is keon broxton he was with milwaukee a few years ago had a good like rookie year showed some power he's pretty fast he's like a real really really shitty buxton <laughs> like even when Buxton shitty, this guy's shittier than him. Okay. Now he <clears throat> so he's got he's on the roster too. He ain't gonna make a whole lot of difference. But he was would have been another candidate to call up. Um so you got these two terrible outfielders, they need to call one of them up. And I call up this rough sider guy. I would have called up Cam Broxton because at least he's done something at some point in his career. Mm-hmm. I think he had a pretty good spring training. This other guy's never done anything. So there's that. And they talk about, well, I think, you know, Russ Snyder can play a little infield, too. That's, he adds versatility. Like, all right, like, how many guys do you need in this infield? You've got Williams, Ostadio, he can catch, he can play third, he can play first, he can play the outfield. He's a versatile guy. Mm-hmm. You've got Jorge Polanco, who's your shortstop. You moved him to second because he signed Angleton Simmons. So you got Polanco can play multiple positions. Uh, you've got Luis Arise, who was your second baseman. He can play third base, shortstop, outfield. He can play all around. Like, how many guys do you need that can play multiple positions? You've already got three or four or five guys that can do that. So that, to me, that's not a concern to have another guy that can play infield, outfield. You got enough of those guys. And then they said, well, he's better. Uh, like his bat better against left-handed pitching. I'm like, okay, so how good is he against left-handed pitching? Well, he's terrible against left-handed pitching, hitting like 200. <laughs> I look at Tian Boxton, who's about the same, but his slugging percentage or his power numbers are quite a bit higher, like over 100 points better. So that doesn't hold up to the smell test or the, the fact test that you like his bat better against left-handed pitching when the other guy is has the same stats against left-handers, except his power is quite a bit more. So it's another move that doesn't matter, but it's just weird and stupid mm-hmm. that the reasons given don't make any sense to me. Not at all. Not at all. So there will see. Way more time spent on two middling AAA outfielders that are awful. 
Well, that's a twin season in a nutshell. By the way, since starting out the season five and two, they have now gone eight and twenty-three. So, stellar. That's not good. That's not going to win you. Uh, that's not going to keep your manager around very long. Um. All right. Uh, kind of ran the gamut here on I think everything. What else? Uh, what else do we have? Anything I'm missing? Oh, congratulations is in order to GoJack softball to SDSU's softball oh team winning their. What is it? The first Summit League championship. I mean, this team was bad for a number of years, and they have, you know, obviously turned the corner. They've had a historic season this year. They're going to the Fayetteville region. They're going to take on Stanford. So good luck to them. Hopefully, you know, you can get out of this. Uh, maybe make it to the College World Series. Unlikely, but we'll we'll see what happens. Crazier things have happened. But congrats to them. I mean, that's a, a marked improvement from from when we were there. Them and they. They somehow got worse when we left, and they were bad when we were there. Now they just got to get the volleyball going again. Yep. Which is still terrible, but they're, they're getting a little better. Yeah, what, 40 wins, just an unbelievable season for and, them. And they uh, lost the first game of the Summit League tournament 4-2 to two to Kansas City. And so their bats up were like up against four the ball. after that, I think, or three, three, four in a row, three in a row after that to, to get there. So. Yep. So their backs up were against the wall. So that's the adversity that you'd like you like to see, and it's you know, it's just nice that the the great season that they had was rewarded with a trip yeah. to the to the to the playoffs or to the. I believe tournament. since they won the regular season, I believe they host host it next year the tournament because it was in Fargo this year. So I yep. assume they would host. So yep. that's exciting. Hopefully they're good for a while, and we'll see. We'll see how they do against uh, Stanford. Yes. Yep. So good luck to. The softball team. Um, anything else that that I'm missing uh, that uh, that we should be talking about here? Not really. We played pickleball Wednesday. Marcus played with us. Oh, he did. The huh? was had by all. Um, I play tonight. A little cloudy. Should be fine. We'll probably play tonight. Um, where's I your skill season? Is huh? where's your skill set now as a pickleball? Like, how much better have yeah. you gotten? How much? Like, how good do you think you uh, could? Could you play against some of the better players in uh, in Mitchell? I guess there's old people out there, and they're really good, and I'm nowhere near as good as they are. Okay. And you know, we played and spent the last two weeks practicing, and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. And then, like, it seemed like I was on the losing side most of the time. And he's got to get better, you know, certain things, more accurate and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of these old guys, they're old guys and ladies, they are good. So, <laughs> be, be competitive with them, that would be that would be good. So Very good. I mean, SDSU season is done, and kind of look back at everything they did uh, with football having their best season they've had. Uh, men's basketball was disappointing. Uh, women's basketball... Well, not another good year for them, but it was my selling, and that hurts. It's, it, it's, uh, it, they had a historic season, just like Gojax football, and it came crashing to a halt because of an injury to their best, to a significant yeah. player. So that's unfortunate. Softball had their best year, so that's good. Uh, volleyball was bad, but they're getting a little better, and whatever track and swimming and whatever else they had. They had fine seasons, like soccer had a fine season. They mm-hmm. didn't win the. Uh, some league title, but they had a good year. I don't think they won. They didn't. They didn't they lose until the second regular tournament, season. Yeah. So it was another, another really good year for for SDSU, and just the whole build up to the football game. 
it was kind of like they, they don't have that star player. They didn't have the Zenner or the Winicky or the Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. So everybody was like, "All right, this is this is for the coach. This is for Stiglmeyer. Yep, this is for him. This is because he's been there forever." And this everybody was that, that was kind of a unique build up to the game that doesn't happen a lot where the storyline is let's win this for the coach who's mm-hmm. been here 25, 35 years and as an undergrad here and has been here you know, forever. Yep. Win it for him. So if they ever do that, that's I put, yeah, that would be nice if they could win it and he still be be the head coach because we know him a little bit and he's He's unique and he's, as, he's really good. He's as nice and, of a coach, I think, as you will find in in yes. football. And nobody deserves anything, but he, it would be nice for him to get to get a national championship to, mm-hmm. to cap his career off. Indeed, indeed. Anything else? That should be it. All right. Well, you have a great week. Uh, I'll be. We'll be heading out to the hills uh, middle of the ah. week here. Uh, the weather was supposed to be good, and now it's uh, a little cooler, so I don't know what the hell's up with that. But um, you want to go see Mount Rushmore? We're not going to go pay to see Crazy Horse because that thing never gets built. So, uh, but uh, have you seen have you seen Mount Rushmore before? Oh yes, I have. Yep, we've been out to the Black Hills numerous times. My father-in-law, mm-hmm. who we're going out with, has never seen the has never seen the faces. Okay. Uh, so. We're going out there uh, for him. The Royals fan? Yeah, the Chiefs fan. Oh, good. Good. Yep, so good. Uh, looking forward to that. So it, it should, It's a quick trip out there, but uh, I'm hoping to that we can stop at Al's Oasis for the world's greatest strawberry pie, uh, in my when opinion. When are you going to be at Al's Oasis? I, I'm hoping, tentatively. Tentatively. I'm hoping Wednesday around a little, whenever, noonish. On the way there. On the way yes, there. Yes, on the way there. Okay. We're probably going to be, we're doing something, we're going to Chamberlain Sunday. Oh, you are? Well, I mean, if with, it might be. I pass you on the interstate. We'll be. We could. We could see each other. Two ships, two ships in the night. (laughs) Very good. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to that. We'll have some stories next week, and uh, we'll see what the NBA playoffs are shaping up to be like. We'll talk about the NHL playoffs. We'll talk about the struggling twins in baseball. A lot to go through. So uh, you you have a great week. Enjoy the pickleball, uh, yes. and we'll 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 talk to you next week, my friend. All right, I'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here on Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, you get tough loss. It just it it just the way that game happened. The, the way it played out. You know, with the rain and Gronowski getting injured, and then have the lead. Isaiah Davis that eighty-five yard touchdown run. You will not see. You'll see very few runs as good as that one by Davis to give SDSU the lead, and then just to lose it at the end. It's just heart. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking as a Jacks fan. It's heartbreaking as an alum. It it just sucks. And hopefully they'll be back. Uh, but uh, you know, prayers for Gronowski and a speedy recovery. But I don't. It sounds like he won't be playing next year. That's a significant knee injury. But. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll talk more about the game. We'll try and get Marcus Traxler on. He was there, and uh, we'll talk some. We'll just rehash what he saw, and we'll also talk some NHL playoffs as well on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, which can be found on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Uh, follow t- uh, Travis on Twitter at Travis Grins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. More SDSU talk coming up. More NHL playoff talk because it is that time of the year. So uh, plenty to get into here on this week's edition 
of the Sports Block Podcast. More with Marcus here, hopefully, in just a moment. All right, continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, continuing our breakdown of the FCS Championship game, and also talk a little bit NHL, uh, NHL playoffs preview, though. Those a little bit, my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic. I'm good, Stack. How's it going? Doing good, doing good, as well as uh, can be expected. First question I have to ask, have you dried out yet? I'm dry. Yeah, I'm dry. It, it took a while to get the uh, the pants dried out and the jacket dried out and, and not have everything stink on the way home. But, yeah, we're, we're good to go there. So are you just, like, in an open press box there? Like, what? Like uh, They basically they basically can uh, do the press box at Toyota Stadium. Uh, it's quite small. It basically only had room for about 12 people uh, in the writing area, you know, so it's, it's funny. You know, SGSU's press box in that sense was, was bigger, but then they turned basically uh, in the middle of the concourse at, at the 50-yard line. Mm-hmm. They have the club area, you know, for, for soccer, and it and has, you know, basically darkened windows and everything, and they, they turned that into a second press box, so that's where I was at. Happened to be right at the fifty-yard line, and a lot of the South Dakota media was was down there as well. So, um, perfectly perfectly fine setup, other than being really loud during the game, just because people were behind and we were kind of curtained off. People were behind us, uh, you know, at the concession stand, just sort of cheering and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but other than that, no, it was it was good. Were you on the SDSU side then? Yeah, behind SDSU's fans, okay. behind SDSU's bench. Yep. Okay. Well, so let's just look, let's start there. Obviously, very disappointing, and uh, I guess we'll kind of go in chronological order with how this game began. Uh, downpouring. I mean, just raining cats and dogs at the start. Uh, a lot of muff snaps. Uh, Sam Houston stayed at a fumble, uh, then a, a muffed snap on a punt that set SDSU up in in great shape, but they couldn't capitalize. I, I just got to ask, should the game have even been started at its original time? I understand for TV, for television purposes, that like you need to have it scheduled, but I think they could probably see that there was a storm coming, and with how nasty that rain was, would it have made more sense to move kickoff back a couple of hours or a few hours? Well, certainly in retrospect, it would have. Um, I, I think, um, and, and I guess... You know, um, there's something to be said. The the TPC uh, Craig Ranch was hosting it was 15 miles up the road or 10 miles up the road hosting the Byron Nelson the PGA Tour uh, event, and they were they moved everything up uh, to sort of try to beat the rain. I, I don't think that really worked either. They were delayed much like uh, the football was. But you know, looking at the the forecast sort of beforehand, it, it kind of seemed like okay, it's going to rain hard in the morning. You might have a chance for it to break up kind of around 1 o'clock or at least diminish mm-hmm. and that really wasn't what happened it, it rained just as hard from basically 1 to 2 or 1 to 2.30 um, and really more so from you know in the in the time of the delay it, it rained but it was more so the threat of the lightning yep. on by so um, you know in retrospect sure you can say yeah they, they maybe should have moved it back um, I'll say this the only reason they were playing 1 o'clock on Sunday is because ABC wanted it there ESPN yep. wanted it there and so if ABC wants to play at 1 o'clock, they're the ones that are going to call the shots. And, you know, I guess the NCAA, um, you know, certainly could have moved the game back. Um, I don't think that was necessarily, necessarily very uh, realistic. Mm-hmm. But it's already in retrospect to not say that it had, an, it had an impact on the game. It certainly did. Yep, it, on both sides, too, no less. Yeah. 
And I guess I wasn't even, I didn't even know what the forecast was calling for heavy rain there at the start. So I was a little surprised when, you know, you see that the downpour there right from the get-go. And then, of course, you know, Gronowski gets hurt on the very first drive of the game. It sounds like a very significant injury. Uh, puts his season probably in doubt. Or, I mean, he probably won't play at all this next year. But, I mean, that's a... It just sucks for because SDSU had remained so healthy for much of this season, and then to lose the your star quarterback, I mean that's that's a devastating blow. And I mean, you know, Heidi played fine for the most like to some degree, and I don't fault him, you know, for for being a little rusty. I mean, thrown two passes all year and hadn't worked with the the first team or whatnot, but. And that's just a terribly difficult position to, to get put into, especially in the championship game. Yeah, I completely agree with a lot of the points you made. You know, uh, SCSU was so healthy throughout the season. Unfortunately, you had a feeling that at some point something was going to happen. And, and they certainly wouldn't have envisioned that the starting quarterback gets hurt within the first five plays, but that's exactly what happened. Sure seemed like it was, uh, you know, sort of an innocuous play, but, you know, that's football. Sometimes you get hurt on some of those normal looking plays and uh, they took him to the tent. He, he kind of, you know, felt it out, got on the bike and it just wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. Clearly whatever happened uh, to his knee was too serious to, to carry on. And, and you could almost see the calculus being made even from the press box or the press area I was in, where it was just like, we're in the first quarter of the national championship game. This is his freshman year, his first season. We cannot risk putting him out on the field. Uh, for his long-term health, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, you know, uh, Mark Growski looked pretty pretty downtrodden as you would expect. Yeah. Uh, when he puts the, when he puts the baseball cap and the headset on, you know that's that's it for the day. I mean, he's not he's yeah. not coming back out there. So um, I agree with you. I, I think certainly Keith Knight he had some throws that he he wanted back. Certainly the, the fourth down throw to the flat where Pierre Strong was open and that drive keeps going if, yep. if he hits that. Yeah. Um, you know. I think in a lot of ways, and I believe Matt Zimmer made this point on Twitter on Sunday, is you're, you're grateful you have Keaton Knighty to be the backup in that situation because he does have playing experience. It, it wasn't completely foreign to him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're playing Gronowski for a reason, and, and Heidi, I mean, just, it just wasn't in sync, wasn't in rhythm. Mm-hmm. I think the weather conditions had some uh, feeling of sort of keeping the passing game in check. The receivers just not getting open to the degrees that they needed them to yep. against Houston's pretty decent secondary. So it was just an uphill climb all day, and they had drop passes. It certainly wasn't all on Keaton Heidi. So, right. uh, and, and, you know, it sounded like some of their offensive play calls were, hey, we're going to run Gronowski in this championship game. Well, those are off the table when, when he can't play. So yep. uh, everything had to just sort of be reassessed. And, and um, I felt like you really, you really saw that uh, out of a lightning break, yes. you know, where where it was just like, okay, they're having a hard time figuring out what exactly they're going to do. The weather is is not letting them you know, run the offense in, in the way they could. And it, it, I would say it took them into the third quarter to really settle in and find exactly what they were going to be doing. And um, that was that meant big big results for Isaiah Davis. Yep, I, I agree with you completely. There, it did take a little bit. I think that lightning break did help them, you know, just kind of reestablish or put together a new game plan, kind of on the fly. With Heidi there, and just to go back to the weather here, do we do you think that if this was played on a nice sunny day and the field conditions were, were great, there was no rain, nothing like that, do you think Gronowski gets injured on that third down play? 
I have no way of knowing. I, you know, I honestly haven't even watched the replay yet. I, I was maybe going to do that, uh, you know, this week sometime. But, um, you know, I, I understand they showed a replay. It, it sounded like he just kind of got sandwiched between some guys. So maybe, maybe the field conditions had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. I, I'll agree with your point to a certain extent. It certainly wouldn't hurt as much. I mean, I think, I think we're at the point now in 2021 where uh, you play on this artificial turf. Yeah, it's not like the 1980s where we're playing on carpet. Yep. Um, it's it's a pretty steady, you know what you're going to get type surface. There is some variation between fields, you know, and I think uh, if you're playing on a artificial turf surface that is 12 year, 12 or 15 years old, yeah, it's gonna it's hard and it it you know, but you can still play it. You can still cut off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of thing. So I agree with you to that sense. The, the cutting was just not good on on Sunday. Uh, you know, the field on Saturday had the chance to be on it for a little while, and I mean it was like a, it was like a, a sod farm. I mean it was just uh, no no divots. I mean it was it was, was what you would expect for a professional soccer franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the rain, that that was going to be a problem. You got uh, twenty two guys tearing it up for three hours, so it was just. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't think the conditions of the field uh, helped in any way by the end of the game. So it's seventeen-seven, Sam Houston State, and you know SDSU kind of needs to get something going here. It's the beginning of the fourth quarter, and they ride Isaiah Davis. He gets a, a, a brilliant twenty-eight-yard touchdown run. Okay, they're back within three. That's good. They uh, force a punt. They get, uh, I think, backed into their own like ten-yard line or whatnot. So that obviously didn't bode well for him they had to, to punt but the defense came up strong again and then you know six minutes to go you could put together a decent drive and isaiah davis pulls off one of the greatest runs i think i've seen from a running back certainly in college football uh, and i'm not trying to like put hyperbole into this or you know be biased but just you know between the stiff arms and the broken tackles and the 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 um you know the the moves back and fourth. I mean, it was it was just a sensational run. Where do you put that? Like, what's in terms of the runs that maybe you've seen, like either live or uh, you know watching on TV? That's got to be right ranking right up there in terms of one of the great runs. I, I think in SJSU history, and I can only really use the time I've been watching as my my guidepost. But uh, I put it like up there in the top two or three runs I can remember. And actually, another great one was earlier this year. Pierre Starr with the run against NDSU, and that one also just mm-hmm. had a big hole, took advantage, outran the guys to the defense. I mean, this, like like you're saying, uh, with the with the cutting and that sort of thing, I mean, just kind of incredible. I think there was one with Zach Zenner where they were in a playoff game in Montana State. It was snowing like crazy, and he had it where it was a couple, couple broken tackles, I think, one of the Montana State guys just kind of pushed him, thinking he was going to go out of bounds and just flew right down the sideline. It was like you know seventy, eighty yards, and it was a day where he ran ran wild and and they won. And then the other one I, I think of is is just the sheer novelty of it. SSU didn't win the game, but uh, the first time they played at Kansas, Zach Zenner went ninety nine yards yep. right up the middle of the, of the field, went all the way. So yep. um, I think considering the stakes, what was on the line, I mean this is this is up there for maybe the best run in South Dakota State history. I you know. The old timers could probably tell me uh, Josh Ronick run from the '90s, or you know, go further back certainly. Sure. But I mean, that was a pretty incredible individual effort. He, um, John Singlemeyer, made, made the point that I mean, it was it's probably the best run he's, he can remember from last year's player in his career, and then, uh, obviously he's got 25 years I under just... his belt now. So I mean, that that kind of gives you all the validation you're looking for with that run, mm-hmm. and you know. Um, you're sitting there. First of all, it is 
just utterly surprising because I thought exactly what you're saying. Hey, it's six minutes to go. This really is SCC's chance. You got to go 85 yards. You know, need to string some first downs together. But you have a chance to go win the game right here if if you can get everything to go. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah Davis, for his part, just takes all that out of, out of the equation and puts together an unbelievable run. Uh, the stadium is just. You know, it's, it's pandemonium from the SGSU fans, and yeah. frankly, for me, because uh, you're just not expecting that. And uh, you just flip things around, and now it's like, okay, well, it's SGSU's defense that has a chance to basically go win the game. Yep. Uh, something they've done so much of uh, in these playoffs. In Southern Illinois, they, they had some critical stops. Yep. And, uh, you know, certainly some of these other games, North Coast State, they had you know, defensive, defensive stops to get it done. So uh, you're feeling pretty good if you're an SGSU fan. And I do want, just want to back up to one thing yeah. you just said. Yep. Um, talking about, we're down 17-7 at halftime, and I, I I agree with you. They did make some adjustments out of halftime, but you, look, you think about how that, that first half ended. They give up the touchdown to Ezra where he runs across the field, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they get, uh, you know, 17-7 eventually, but yeah, they, they get an interception to Heidi at the end of the half. They almost turn that into points. It kind of felt like, okay, they might be reeling a little bit here, and then rather, instead of getting halftime, you get three minutes. You know, yeah. So it's like, almost like where you would normally have that halftime to recuperate it's, and come up with, hey, let's settle in a little bit here. You get the three minutes, and then you've got to go back out and see him. You should get the ball, and then uh, you know, you got to stop him again. So if that was that felt like a tough position, frankly. Sam Houston probably could have yeah. maybe put the game away there a couple opportunities, yeah. and it didn't, and SGC stayed in the game, and that's where you credit the defense. I think mm-hmm. that's what makes that the last drive more difficult. It's like SCC's defense kept him in the game in that little period. Yes, I mean, it, but then like the opening kickoff or the, the the ensuing kickoff after Davis's run, it goes out about like was that a miss hit? What I mean, I guess you know you want to keep it out of you know the a potential run back, but that that was miss hit so bad or miss kicked so. Bad. I mean, that's that immediately puts the defense in a hole because it shortens the field significantly for Sam Houston. Yeah, and there, there's kind of a little bit of history just from SGSU this season of big plays and then kickoff out of bounds. You're just like, you can't have that happen, no. especially the national title. Cannot have that happen. And, you know, special teams got a lot better as the season went on for SGSU. Uh, it was bad for a few weeks uh, earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not good on Sunday. And, uh, you know, a couple missed field goals. Obviously, one was a bad snap. But both were a bad snap. One got down. Um but punting was okay, but you almost gave up a vote return touchdown to Ezard. Yep. Uh, called back thanks to a, a block in the back. Yep. Um, you know, punt return, I don't, I don't know if SGC returned a single punt. Now, again, some of that is just uh, disaster mitigation in some ways. You, you just fair catch it or let it roll. Uh, you don't need a mistake in the rain. But just too many mistakes. And the kickoff ends up being kind of the ultimate where, um, you know, you kick it out of bounds, they get it to 35 or the 40 or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, again, five minutes, you know, almost six minutes of time, you're like, hey, what, you know, what's, what's ended here? But uh, that did not help. And then, you know, the, the SDSU did have multiple opportunities to get Sam Houston off the field. Sam Houston converted at least one fourth down conversion, if not two, multiple third downs. And SDSU almost got Schmidt there, I think, in the backfield on a run. I think it was like a third and 10, third and 12. And they ju- he just slipped out of the grasp and was able to get it to like fourth and two. And they would end up converting. They're just marching down the field and like, okay. And then I think they did convert two fourth downs because Ezard had that a pretty sick catch there for what like three yards 
there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why can't he just drop it there? I think that set him up first and goal at the 10. And it's just like, okay, it's, they've, they've got to stop. Well, you, you get to third and 10, and then it's the zone play. I don't... I don't understand the zone because they had been playing such good defense man-to-man were they worried about Schmidt maybe running it you know 10 yards it's you know you know you have a spy in there or something zone just did not seem like the right call to me there curious what your thought was on that play because that South Dakota State fans may not have seen that in Brookings and Sioux Falls because of the Avera medical minute but for those of us that did see it live it's like what the hell yeah, you do kind of, and I, I think uh, John Sigler made this point uh, this week. He kind of had a, a wrap-up uh, press conference a couple of days after, and he kind of made the point of you, you know maybe unlike any other game in his career, you kind of re-rack every play and you think about you know what you could have done different. I think this is one of them where you're just like, uh, I, you know, I think it was third down they scored on, right? Yeah. So you're yep, just third and ten. Uh, yeah, you're you're kind of you know obviously Sam Houston had the right play called on. Uh, the, the guy that scored at an option route, so he just breaks that off to the middle, mm-hmm. kind of splits the two defenders. Great throw by Schmidt. I mean, he sticks in there to the point where uh, the receiver really had no choice but to catch it. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. You hate you hate uh, running too much man-to-man, honestly, because it just feels like you're asking to get beat. But that's just you did a great job with it all day. And uh, I can understand kind of breaking up your defense uh, for the zone factor late in the drive as you get closer to the goal line, but um, I mean, great play by Sam Houston. They, they snuck it in there. I I thought um, I had a feeling SCC was going to stop them, but when they converted the fourth down on the near sideline, uh, where he kind of caught it right at the sticks, and yep. if you look at the replay, I did see that uh, the SCC defender. I mean, he's like three inches away from knocking that away. Yes. I mean, there's your there's your ball game if, if you get the hand on that. So, yep. uh, and after after that, I'm like, okay, this is starting to get uh, a little too close here, and and then obviously. A uh, great play by Sam Houston to score 16 seconds left. Mm-hmm. And Travis brought this up earlier, and I disagree with him a little bit. He said he thought that SDSU maybe should have started, should have called timeouts to conserve the clock. And I am of the mindset that you don't do that, and especially because Sam Houston only had one timeout. And if I think you only do that if your defense is reeling, if your defense is out of gas, because why give Sam Houston State more time to call a play? Uh, or, you know, just draw something up that might, you know, be better suited. You know, give them time. They, the clock is working against them. They're the ones that need to score. Any thought on your part? Like, should SDSU have called some timeouts there to conserve some time? Yeah, I think they should have. And, and it's, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. We see it uh, so clearly now. Uh, but if you do sack Sam Houston, you're letting the clock run. I mean, that's not – you're not stopping it for him in that situation. Right. Um, you know – um, and I know that, that John Stigler has done this in the past. Actually, the last playoff game in 2019, we lost to Northern Iowa. I think it was a drive. You know, Northern Iowa had a long drive. They kicked a field goal. And SCSU used their timeouts with like a minute 30 left to force the field goal and end up being the go-ahead kick. But then they got the ball back with a minute or a minute 15, no timeouts. So I know that he's thought that way before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he kind of had the thinking he were, where it's like, hey, I don't want to help them out here. They don't have many timeouts. You know, that sort of thing. Um, I just think that uh, look at what almost happened there at the end of the – and obviously, again, we know we know how that the extra point was missed, so you would only need a field goal there. Uh, Cole Tom does have a big leg, not the most accurate. He tried a 67-yard field goal, 
earlier this year with nowhere close to being made, but he tried one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and again, Sunday's conditions were probably not the right conditions to try a field goal that long. But um, if you have 40 seconds instead of 16, yep. and you already got the ball to the 45-yard line of Sam Houston, mm-hmm. you might have a chance of making something happen and at least get that, that game-winning field goal off. So, um, yeah, I think the timeouts probably should have been used because you're sitting here a couple days later and you're saying, well, we still got those three timeouts and they don't do us any good then. And you know, even that last play, I think you know, if Yankee just goes down, they call a quick timeout, you, you give a chance. You could have either gone with Fromm for a field goal or tried to Hail Mary there. It just it didn't work out. It's just it's a devastating loss, I think, for SDSU because they were so close. And I think what hurts even more from my standpoint, and I don't know, I mean – you're in that that odd predicament here, being an alum of the school, but also having to you know to be bipartisan or you know partial impartial to it because you're you're covering the game. But you know, for Gronowski to go out the first series, I just kept waiting for the dam to break. Okay, like it's going to happen at some point, and they they held out for the most part. Then at 17-7, like okay, like let's make this a game, let's have a chance. And then amazingly, Isaiah Davis. You know, carries the team on his back, gives them the lead. It's like, oh my gosh, are they actually going to do this? And then to lose it like that at the end, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's gut wrenching. And it's like, you know what? If Gronowski plays, they probably win that game. And you know, you never know when you're going to get back there. Uh, I think SDSU is, you know, kind of built for a big run or, you know, hopefully sustained success. It depends on, you know, guys who are transferring, and hopefully that's not a big problem, at least this year. But, you know, you do have questions at the quarterback. It's just, like, this was a huge missed opportunity, and it's, like, it's just crushing the way that it ended for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I kind of thought about it uh, Sunday night after the game and, and a little bit on Monday. You know, if those two teams play ten times and the weather is just fine, um I don't think either team wins more than six times against the other one, or, or five, five and five. I mean, they were Sam Houston is a worthy champion. Absolutely, uh, they, were, they were good. Yep. Uh, and and hey, let's say it's good weather and it's a fast track. Sam Houston might put up even more points, and yep. SEC might have even a bigger problem. So you, you you forget about that element too, where you're like, well, you could have used Isaiah, or you could have used Pierre Strong mm-hmm. uh, better in the rain or in a dry field, or or maybe Grinowski doesn't hurt, get hurt. Sam Houston sitting there saying the same thing where. Hey, we didn't get a sack on the, on the quarterback all day, and we lead the country in sacks and all these sorts of things. Um, but I completely agree. I mean, I just think that um, look at uh, the amount of effort and capital and and uh, you know sweat equity that was burned to get to Frisco and such a weird season. You know, SDSU, the top seed. Um, had everything kind of line up in the in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in some ways. Um, they had three games in Brookings that, you know, if you played the playoffs in, in November or December, the weather probably would be worse. And they got good weather. They won those games at home. And uh, you built sort of all this energy behind the program that you've never really had to this degree. You get thousands of people in Frisco, which, uh, you know, people wondered if, if SGC would travel, and they did. Yep. And you came all that way, and you come up, uh, you know, two points short. 16 seconds short, you know, one play, you, you know, and, and uh, you know, SCC preaches that so much, and it did come down to one play, and 
unfortunately SCSU ended up on the wrong side of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any of that not valuable. Um, it is such a valuable experience to have that mm-hmm. for the players who were a part of it to say, uh, we know what it takes to get there and we're determined, but there are no guarantees that you get back. I mean, that's just the nature of football. Um, how many, I'm sure North Coast State looked at it as their birthright to be in Frisco again. Uh, you know, even in this weird season, and it didn't happen. James Madison, I'm sure, thought they'd go to Sam Houston and beat them, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just sort of how it, it goes. And, and man, uh, it tells you it's it's part of why we love sports, even when the well, even the losing is painful. Um, it's part of the game, and and uh, you know, it's it's going to be. A, we got 108 days now until the season opener at Colorado State, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a hard, you know ability to sort of get past this and say, yep, we're going to head into that season with a clean slate and play at least 11 games if, if uh, you know, COVID's not a problem. And then you still have the playoffs. And um, you look at how short the season was, it, you know, that kind of played in SGSU's favor too with not having the injuries until the championship. And yep. It just seemed like everything was kind of right there for them and unfortunately just didn't work out in the end. And hopefully, you know, that month-long break, maybe that will help too, uh, you know, for them. It, it, certainly they they were fresh for that North Dakota State game and then the playoff run. Uh, and I just I just wonder, it, it was great, by the way, you know, that the fans are all showed up and, and stuff, and I hope they do that again if the, the Jackrabbits get down to Frisco, whether that be next year, two years, you know, five years down the line, ten years, whenever, because uh, that was good to see because, yes, there, there have been questions in the past about SDSU faithful, especially when it comes to, to football. And, but... I just wonder, with them coming so close, do, will that make them hungrier? I get it's a short season, so or, or a short break now in between now and then the regular uh, college football season coming up, and who knows, you know, how their bodies will be, how fresh and you know how rested and and everything. But do you think the way this season ended will give the entire team extra motivation headed into this next year? Absolutely, and I, I don't know. I don't know what that's worth. I don't know how, how valuable that is. Um, it we, we can't know the answer to that right now. The one thing I would be concerned about is just you played ten games, and now you're going to go play eleven more. Um, if you have a successful season, it's going to be more than that because you're going to the playoffs. Um, there's just no way that doesn't uh, take a toll on SGSU at some point. I, mm-hmm. I just I have a hard you know. In, and may, their kids, maybe they all get through it. Um, you know, maybe it's it's uh, another successful fall. But uh, you played all those games, and Indiana State, for example, didn't. Or Montana played two games. Yep. Um, you know, go down the list. I mean, there were USD played. I think five games. It's just you know, you're you've got all this wear on on your tires, and uh, and some of these other teams don't. So. Um, the good thing is, I, I think SGSU, SGSU is a deep team. Yep. Uh, you're going to have freshmen come in that you don't have on the roster right now. Uh, SGSU has a lot of seniors back. You know, I think 12 seniors are, are going to be back in the fall, uh, somewhere in that territory on the numbers. So those are guys that they're they're going to be ready. I mean, I think SGSU will be ready. They will be motivated. It's just hard to know what that's worth, you know. Right. And yep. uh, as we've kind of said, we won't know until we get past it. You know what sort of impact it had or all that sort of thing. But um, I, I, how could you not be motivated? I mean, you, you saw uh, the national title very close uh, to your grasp and then it gets away. Well, and, and that's what I guess I meant by, like, how motivated they would be. Like, do you think the entire team's going to pretty much come back and say, hey, we have unfinished business 
ahead like in this season. I know that you know the transfer portals, uh, you know some stuff could happen, but it and maybe that helps that it's so late that in the season or you know in this transfer portal with you know the the new season coming up right around the corner. But I just wonder like the the entire team. I wonder if they're just going to say like, "Hey, we have unfinished business. We want to do this together." Absolutely, I think the team will certainly approach it that way. It's interesting because um, you know I wrote a column last week and it was kind of tongue in cheek, but it was more so talking about all the, the mantras that SDSU has in football. You know, going one and zero every play, every practice, every week. You know, uh, you know, the last play, play like it's your last play. You know, leave nothing to chance. We, you know, you've been around the SDSU program. You've yeah. heard all these things. Yep. Uh, you know, leave nothing to chance. You know, don't leave it up to the last play of the game. Uh, that sort of thing. So. They have all these mantras built in, and it's kind of funny. I didn't make this point with Carl. Actually, I did. But uh, you know, PJ Fleck, he's made his name on all these mantras, and he's you know he gets ridiculed for it. But you've got a coach in the '60s and John Stigelmeyer. It's the same way he does things too, where he's got kids that believe in what what they stand for. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're talking about playing the present. Don't think about the past. How could you not think about the past? Uh, you know, it, right. it's going to be a big motivator of what you know what this 2021 fall season is going to have on its mind. So um, certainly that's going to be a big part of where things go. And uh, I'll be eager to see how it all works out. I think the transfer portal market is going to be really interesting just in the terms of the rest of this year. Uh, you have such a small window. I, I want to say that there was a deadline of like May 1 players to be in it. And um, I know SCSU will still have players that will jump in it. Or players from other schools will still move. Um, we believe that this is probably is you know, lean in as the NCAA is ever going to be on transfers. So mm-hmm. uh, I would expect that almost anything goes, you know, taking guys in. SCSU's got a pretty uh, highly touted receiver from Oklahoma State that they're pretty excited about. A, a transfer that'll be there in the fall. He was with them in the spring, uh, wasn't eligible to play. Um, so I, I think it's, it's uh, you know, and they're going to be looking for a quarterback. I mean, that's, yep. uh, John Stigler said that. So it's, um, I, I think it's incredibly interesting. You know, there's no guarantee that a guy from FBS comes in and plays well. Both NDSU and SCSU have had those in recent years where yep. uh, they brought in transfers and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but isn't that such an inviting thing when you look at here's this team that was 16 seconds away from a national title and, hey, I'm, I'm on the bench, I want to play, and you look at SCSU and go, I can help them win, you know, yeah. and, uh, that is definitely the storyline to watch heading into this offseason. You hope Mark Gronowski can play game one at Colorado State, and that, you know, it's not that serious, but right now it does look serious, and he may not be available. Uh, he may not be available at all in 2021. Right. So, um, you know, SCC's got some questions to answer, and, and that that also provides some motivation for Keaton Heidi if he wants to go out and win the job, because that's certainly on the table, too. Yep. I think they are a better team than Colorado State. I, would, I think, like, if Gronowski were playing, I think this is a team that would beat Colorado State. Uh, not handedly, but I think they would beat them. Uh, look at it. I don't have it in front of me, but look at SCC's schedule. Uh, there is some room for some victories right off the bat. Yep. So uh, you talk about uh, going into the fall 2021 season, uh, there could be a chance for some excitement right off the bat. It's not out of the question you're talking about potentially the number one ranked team in the country, which um, – I think through all this, I don't think SCSU's ever been the number one team in the country. So um, that's that's still one more thing that's out there. And you know, they they talked pretty openly, uh, you know, in this stretch run about how important it was to get the number one overall seed. And that was something I don't think Amy really expected, but they got it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be a huge thing if SCSU, you know, you talk about your way to Frisco. 
getting a top two seed is a big way to make sure that happens. Absolutely. So that come to Brookings, and that should be the goal every year from here on out. Now, unfortunately, it means either you or NDSU is probably going to get it because you play each other, and it's usually late in the year, and that, that becomes a decisive game, but uh, that's, that's what you're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point on the schedule here, Colorado State is the opener, and then uh, let's uh, get, I think we have Lindenwood, and every, who'd ever heard of Lindenwood? I can tell you that I sure as hell didn't. They're um, making the, I believe, Division Two. Of course, they're famous in South Dakota because former Sioux Falls coach Jed Stuger is there, so that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting storyline to watch. But I mean, Estes should win that game. Yep. Uh, then at Indiana State, well, that should be a win. Dixie State at home, Southern Illinois at home. That Southern Illinois game is going to be tough. Um, on October 9th, but then at Western, home against Northern Iowa, at Youngstown State, and then home against North Dakota State. I mean, I, I think between, you know, Colorado State, again, which is tough just because it's a Mountain West team, so you, you I mean, that's an FBS team, so SDSU is not guaranteed to win that one, but between that and the November 6th, really the, the most difficult game on there is going to be October 9th against Southern Illinois. Yeah, and, and I mean Northern Iowa is always the tricky one as well. But sure. yep. um, and SDSU just kind of always has a habit of losing a game they frankly shouldn't. I think North Dakota would be the game from this last season that they probably shouldn't have lost in yep. retrospect. But um, you know, you look at that on paper and you're like, man, there's an opportunity to be seven and zero or eight or whatever the number would be uh, heading heading into that NDSU game, which I believe is in Brookings. Yes, uh, it is. Yep, that game and and like I said, the Southern Illinois games in Brookings. They have to go to USD, but they get North Dakota at home. So, yep. the it, favorable schedule. So excited for the football season, which as you said, 108 days away from now. Um, but we do in between now and then we do have the NHL playoffs. A good start for our Minnesota Wild, beating the Golden Knights. One nothing in overtime. Their game is tonight as we are recording this podcast. Um, I expect them to lose game two, but I did find it will. We'll just kind of start there and then go through some of these other series here. Let's just start in the West. I did think that the out of all of the possible matchups that the Wild could get, Vegas was the best one because of the success they'd had against them in the regular season. The, for whatever reason, the Blues are in their head. I don't get why. It just must not be a great matchup. Colorado scores a ton of goals. Didn't want to face them right away. But Vegas, it's just the way that the Wild have played against them this season that made me think, hey, this is favorable. And I picked them in six. Uh, not saying that's going to happen, but out of – any of the three, this is the one I had the most confidence in the Wild having success at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, it is it is the right matchup for for uh, the Wild. I mean, for whatever reason, they have the Golden Knights uh, have their number at home. I don't believe they've ever lost in regulation at the XL Energy Center, and so um, it's a it's an interesting storyline to keep an eye on. I think Colorado is the best team in this division. And, and I think yep. you've got to play them at some point, uh, one way or the other. So Colorado had those games in hand. We're able to get a couple wins at the end of the regular season to get up to that number one seed. And uh, you kind of saw, I mean, I, I don't think game one necessarily unfolded in a way that people would have expected. I think you know people are not surprised to see Mark Andre A. Fleury, uh, who could potentially be a Hall of Famer at some point, mm-hmm. play as well as he did in game one. I think Cam Talbot, uh, you know, Putting up a shutout in Game One was a little surprising, even even though he's been a good player for the Wild uh, this season. So, 
they got the job done on that front, and uh, it was good to see. And Ryan Hartman, I don't know if you caught any highlights of the game or not. He had like four or five golden opportunities, fantastic scoring chances, and Fleury denied him, robbed him several times. So I, the opportunities were there. But I think I think Vegas going to win Game Two, and then we'll see how it goes at the XL Energy Center. But I I just I feel optimistic about the Wild. It's a different Minnesota Wild team than what we've seen in years past in the playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, they have that bona fide scorer in uh, in Kaprizov. They have uh, Kevin Fiala. I mean, they have some guys. I think you would put it. It's kind of funny that uh, Paul Fent was kind of made fun of for the game breaker mentality and you know, he certainly had right to be ridiculed in a lot of ways but uh, you look at um, you look at some of these other guys that got really good lines uh, you know up and down in the lineup and let's let's be honest I think their best uh, the, the career leader in playoff goals Zach Parisi, uh not not really playing in these right. playoffs and nobody's really broken hearted about it because they know what the rest of this team can do so um and, and Fiala has been a you know a, a bona fide player that uh, has really stepped up, and I just think it's it's uh, one of those things where there is a little bit more pop in this lineup. Which I mean, how many times did it feel like you know the Wild had to sort of play this defensive minded game and you know, try to scratch out a couple goals to win? I mean, that's that's uh, kind of been their bread and butter for a long time. The other West uh, series, the Avalanche against the Blues, Avalanche lead that series one nothing. I just, I, the one thing that scares me the most with Colorado is the health of Nathan McKinnon. I know he's a little banged up there a few weeks back. Uh, he scored a goal in Game One, so I don't know if that indicates just how healthy he is because we never know with hockey injuries, especially in the playoffs. Um, but. I mean, Colorado is just, they're, they're just so much better than St. Louis. So I think that Colorado is going to win this series in no more than six games. Uh, but the health of Nathan McKinnon is the thing to watch out for here for the Avalanche and their run to the Stanley Cup. Absolutely. I mean, certainly the, the motor of, of their team. And um, I, I think you were right about the Blues. They're kind of a bad matchup for the Wild, but I, I don't foresee the Avs having too much trouble with them. I mean, there's just so much talent on Colorado's roster. You just, I mean, obviously I'd like to see the Wild uh, do well. I'd like to see them beat them, but I think Colorado's got to be kind of staring at that lineup and, you know, people kind of looked at them last year going to the playoffs saying, hey, this should kind of be their year and uh, I think people kind of look at them the same way. Like, you should be able to make a big time run. Um, but these playoffs are going to be weird. you got to play division teams. The teams have been playing all year. you got to play them in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. And then go to the third and fourth rounds, and now you play teams you haven't played all year. It's it's going to be weird. It is, absolutely. Um, it, let's go to the uh, to the central division here where the, the battle of – nothing says playoff hockey like the battle of Florida. Uh, with <laughs> Tampa Bay and Florida. And I don't know if you caught any of that game one on Sunday night after – uh, after you know all the post game stuff uh, down in Frisco, but that was as high intense of a playoff hockey game that I can recall, especially a game one. Uh, great power play, uh, Nikita Kucherov. No, was it Nikita Kucherov? Uh, Tampa Bay's. Uh, I'll, I'll get it here. Um, but their, their power play was great. They have, there were some fantastic saves. There was fighting. Obviously, the in-state rivalry uh, helps things. Uh, Miami really shelled out here for the. Uh, um, 
It, it was Kucherov. I was right. I uh, second-guessed yep. myself here, but he had a couple of power play goals after not having played during the regular season. I think Tampa wins this series in six, but, I mean, it, it's the, the intensity is going to be something else. Yeah, this should be one of the best series for that just because uh, these are two really talented teams. You wouldn't think it, uh, just given the reputation of the Florida teams, but obviously Tampa's trying to go back-to-back. Florida has kind of ramped up their roster to to be prepared to take on uh, their in-state rivals. And now you've got them facing off in the first round of the playoffs, which, um, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't have been inconceivable to say, hey, here's your two Eastern Conference finals team. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's the quality of, of uh, rosters that these two teams have. So uh, to see that sort of chipperness right off the bat in, in game one is, is good to, uh, to have. And it's not, I mean, I don't think anybody can sit here and say, oh, that should be a short series. I mean, that, that could be one that goes uh, quite a ways. Yep. Uh, and interesting of no, I mean, Joel Quenville's done a great job with Florida already in his second season. They're after so many years on the bench of the Blackhawks. Uh, but they did bench Sergei Bobrovsky for game two. That, uh, that seems a little odd considering how much money you shelled out for him. Uh, yeah. You would think that he would be the unless there's an injury. I think it's more just how that game ended against Tampa Bay, but that that's a little surprising there. And then the other series, Carolina against Nashville. Uh, I mean, we love the city of Nashville. Go, you know, uh, beautiful, beautiful town, uh, beautiful city. Great, you know, great hockey town in, for in, being in the South. But they're just no match for Carolina. Carolina is so good, and the Hurricanes should run through this team no more than five. I think the Hurricanes, quite frankly, are. Probably Probably the, I would say the favorites in the East. Or just favorites, I would say, certainly, I think the favorites in this division, even ahead of Tampa Bay, to reach the um, the semis. I don't think that's that, that off base. I mean, I think Carolina's another one of those teams that's kind of slowly building towards something really big. And so, uh, not out of the question to, to say that they you know, have a legit chance to reach those semifinals, reach the Stanley Cup uh, finals. So, I, I agree with you on that point. You know, I think this division. I I, I really like Florida. Um, I think they've got they've got some of those veteran guys uh, that um, it's hard to know how how strong they're going to be in, in a long playoff run. But they have the right coaching quite well to sort of engineer things. And um, I think between those three teams, I agree with you. Nashville's kind of the odd man out this in this division, but uh, all three of those are legitimate threats. Yeah, kind of like the Blues in the Central. They were so far back at the top three teams uh, in the division. That's the same thing with Nashville. Uh, in the East, I th- I think both of these series, the Islanders and the Penguins, that what series is going to go seven. I think Capitals and Bruins is going to go seven. Capitals and Bruins, that series tied 1-1 right now. Both games have gone to overtime. 11 straight playoff games that have been decided by one goal. In that series, it's just absolutely incredible. It's an NHL playoff record, uh, so I think that's a, a very evenly matched series. I think I'm going to give the slight edge to Washington, but obviously, you know, Boston wins. That wouldn't be a surprise. And then I, I wanted to pick the pesky Islanders because I think they're in Pittsburgh's heads after having swept them a couple years ago. I did take Pittsburgh in seven, but this is again, if the Islanders win this series, not going to be surprised at all. Yeah, I, I like the Islanders. I mean, just a little bit younger. Um, we sit here every year and we go, well, how long are the Penguins going to keep doing this? And it's absolutely true uh, this year because you just look at this roster and you go, they're not going to be good forever. Uh, mm-hmm. And and they have some real cap problems just kind of looming. 
uh, this roster's got got problems. But um, I like the Islanders, and I I have to be perfectly honest, and you you know this because uh, we we've been texting the last few days. But Sunday obviously had the football game. Monday. Uh, big travel day. I, I saw some NHL network in the airport while I was laid over, but I didn't get to see any actual games. And uh, all, I, all one of the main highlights I've seen other than the wild winning on Sunday was a uh, big fight in the stands with, between a Capitals and a Bruins fan. And that, told me, that tells me everything I need to know about the intensity of that series. Absolutely a contender to go seven. I agree with you. I think the Capitals will probably win that, but, um, you know, uh, they've got some problems on the on the. Uh, the, the defensive pairs are kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do. Obviously, you got the, the ex Bruin Chara in that series, which is kind of a major storyline as well. Yep. You know, he, up, he is up there in age. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I would expect that th- that series will be a six or seven game contender, absolutely. And finally, in the North Division, which, by the way, I do like these these different divisions. Yes, you, I mean, the the. They, the teams all had to play each other, you know, seven times, eight times, or whatever in the regular season. But I do like the different divisions that we've gotten this year. And in the North, the All Canadian Division, it's Toronto, Edmonton, and then the rest. I don't care. I don't care about Montreal or the Jets. I mean, Edmonton's going to steamroll the Jets, and Montreal is going to get you know blasted by the Maple Leafs. Both those series shouldn't go more than five games, in my opinion. Maybe the Jets can make it six, but I. I doubt that. Uh, then it just comes down to, will it be Toronto or Edmonton? And the way Connor McDavid is uh, playing and you know, Leon Dreisaitl, that is a dangerous Oilers team here. But there's just something to be said, I think, for Toronto. I, I think they're pro- I would give them the nod as the the team to, to beat. Obviously, I mean, they're the, they're the top seed. But Connor McDavid and Edmonton, this is their time to, to make a run here. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're a Canadian team, you haven't won the Stanley Cup in 30-plus years, basically. Um, you're, you're definitely going to get one team to the semifinals, so uh, who is it going to be? And uh, I agree with you. Edmonton, I mean, Connor McDavid, 56 games in this season, he had 100 points, uh, which is just incredible. Yep. And uh, he's, he is a, I mean, he's a specimen, uh, just a terrific player. So uh, very eager to see, uh, I, you know, we talk about what we would want to see in that second round. Leafs, Oilers, absolutely a series I've got to see. Mm-hmm. And then it's, there's a good chance we will see that, uh, that that Canadian winner have to come down to the States uh, for the remainder of the playoffs. So however they end up setting that up, you know, if it's if it's Toronto, maybe setting up in Detroit uh, for the playoffs or whatever it may be. Buffalo, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be a big-time storyline. I, I want to say I completely agree with you on the Canadian division. Um, you know, they, they probably will go back to the old setup, but I absolutely love that they kind of mixed it up um, because they had to. But um, having those Canadian teams, I know Canada was amped up about it because, you know, you got to see all these teams uh, that they care about so much get to play each other exclusively. And, you know, I think in a two-game season, that's not necessarily what you want. You want to see, um, you know, if we're using Connor McDavid as an example, you want to see Connor McDavid in Minnesota, uh, you know, at least once a year. But, um, you know, just kind of a great energy to mix things up. And the West, obviously, is a really good division. I don't know that I want to want to fall in love with all those nine and ten o'clock starts again nice. with the Wild. But um, you know, for one year and given the situation, it's been kind of fun to mix things up. I think the only thing that would make the the playoffs better is instead of you know playing within the division all, again, which you know that's what they were doing with their old divisions too, which I I didn't like. 
but just take all you know take the top four teams in each division and then just reseed them based on points and do one through 16 that way that would be the only other way i think that you could make the playoffs even better it's just yeah i i think if you had you know if you had that uh, i'm gonna get this wrong but if you had the interdivision play you know if you had those games across divisions i think you could certainly could do that you know if you don't have the the data points i agree you know, but Yep. It, it becomes more difficult. Nope. But I, I, I think the other argument is you don't necessarily want you know, Vancouver at Florida in the first round where they got it goes seven. You're flying back and forth, but uh, you know it's it's air travel. They can live with it. Yes. Yeah. No. And I agree with you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done it this year. But I think you know if you. Oh, long term, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think uh, the NHL kind of in this era of, of driving home the rivalries and, and all that. Yeah, it's worked in some regards, and certainly some of these series that we. Uh, got you know Boston Washington is a great example. We've seen that a bunch because we've had a bunch of uh, one goal games in the playoffs. But um, you know we don't necessarily need to have that at the at the sake of bracket integrity and making sure that hey if the if two of the best teams are in the same division we don't need to knock one out before the semifinals. Exactly. Exactly. It should be a fun run. Uh, I'll get, we'll hopefully uh, get you on here a few more times during the run to the Stanley Cup. Uh, overall, your champion, who do you like as the Stanley Cup champion? I like the Colorado Avalanche. I just, If Nathan McKinnon's healthy, I think that team is just too talented, Scoring can score too much, and I, I think they're going to take it over Carolina. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think if, if this might have been my pick last year, but uh, or if I have the same matchup at least, but I'm going to take Tampa Bay over Colorado. Okay, that's a good that's a good pick. Yeah. And Tampa Bay would be back to back Stanley Cup champions then. Yeah, something that I don't think has happened since the mid 2000s with the with the Penguins. So. Yes. Yep. And before that, it was like another you know 15 years I think with the Red Wings. So right. it it yep. doesn't happen often. It it definitely doesn't. Well, I'm I'm glad you're home safely. I'm glad you had a good time in Frisco. I wish it would have been a better uh, result. Uh, but but great work, and uh, look forward to forward to talking to you throughout the NHL playoffs. Thank you, my friend. Sounds good, Sacken. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler with the Mitchell Daily Republic, kind enough to spend a few minutes here. Uh, a few minutes. We're, we're we're closing in on fifty. Uh, but between between the Jacks games, it'd be a tough loss. Just the way that happened, it'll be, I'll be very curious to see how the how the quarterback trance or the the quarterback position plays out. Hope wishing Mark McGronowski speedy recovery, and then on the NHL playoffs, uh, let's go wild. Let let's go. Uh, but the the NHL playoffs have been very good so far, and we'll definitely be keeping tabs on that throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs because they have been good. Last year on these networks of NBC before they moved to ESPN and Turner, I'm sure TNT, TBS, maybe True TV will broadcast a hockey game. Who knows? But that will do it for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I know it's a sad, sad state of affairs with with SDSU coming oh so close to winning the FCS National Championship. Um, But uh, appreciate you listening. As always, you can find this on podcasts.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Krins at Travis Krins, Marcus Traxler at Marcus Traxler. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Also on Facebook under Nathan Stacken. So uh, thank you for listening to this week's edition. Uh, good job, Jackrabbit Nation. Way to show, uh, show up and um, and just cheer your hearts out. Uh, it, it's difficult, but I, I'm hopeful that this is the beginning of a, a, a decent run here for the Jackrabbits of getting down to Frisco, and hopefully they'll be able to cement it with a, with a victory here 
and a national championship soon. But enjoy the NHL playoffs, the NBA play-in tournament, and the, the playoffs start on Saturday. So we'll, we'll definitely preview that in full next week with Travis. So for Travis and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Again, hope you enjoyed it. It'll be all right, SDSU Nation, Jackrabbit Nation. It'll be okay. Uh, we'll get them in the fall, hopefully. And I say that now as I'm – maybe I'm just saying that more to myself. But have a great week. It's going to be warm. Enjoy the weather amidst some of the, the, the thunderstorms that you may or may not get in your area. But uh, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. <laughs>